Well, guys, welcome to another exciting event that we are calling Timeless Truths, an excursion for men through the book of 1 John. John's first letter is a masterpiece of a sermon reiterating truths that are good for all time. With that being said, we're in for a treat tonight. The one and only Jeff Ferris will be bringing us a word. He's a father of two sons and two beautiful daughters, one of whom got married recently, and another one will be getting married in July. Jeff is the CEO of the PDX Corporation in Fort Worth, and so, Jeff, we turn it to you, brother. Bring us the word. All right. Thank you. Thank goodness there's only one of me, according to my mother. She told me that several times when I was growing up. So there's a couple of handouts, and then I have a third one I'll give at the end. I apologize to the ones that are dialed in, but uh, if you want to be turning your Bibles to 1 John 3.16, so it's uh, going to be audience participation. But I am excited about this uh, lesson. It's always good to be reminded of truth, so uh, before we get into it, let's just, I'll start us with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you for your word and the power and the truth that's in it. We thank you for the opportunity to gather here as believers and to listen to hear from you about the words that we're going to uh, be going over today. We pray, Father, that you would speak through me, speak through all of us as we share the message today. We thank you, Father, that uh, according to your your will, your your word will not return void. Pray that uh, those that have ears to hear, that the truth that they hear will take root in their heart and bear fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Alan introduced John and his love. He referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And uh, so I want to play a song here. One of the great things about being in charge is you get to decide what's going to happen. So uh, this song here is one of my favorite songs. My family teases me all the time because... I'll find a song that I really like, and I work in Fort Worth, so it's about 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back, and I'll play the same song over and over and over. The worst one that I got was from Alan. I say it was the worst one. It was remember you taught a lesson on that about the homeless guy Jesus loved never failed me yet. Oh yeah, Jesus I listened loved. to that song for a week, and uh, but uh, so this song I've been listening to not solid for months, but it's a favorite of mine. And, it's such a favorite that uh, I picked it out to be sung at my daughter's wedding about a month ago. And uh, Alan's son, Zane, was nice enough to uh, sing it during the, the dinner after, after they were married. And it's, the song is about love, and you've got the words to it there. That was one of the handouts. you all have that? Okay. So I'm going to turn it up pretty loud. It's not a difficult song, so if you haven't heard it, we'll just jump in when you get to get the note. Yeah, absolutely. It don't have a job. Don't pay your bills.
trying to get Shake to sing this song. I can just see him in the middle of service just start saying, You don't have a job! <laughs> it would be awesome. But not till he feels led to do it. So uh, our scripture... Get a pen? Here you go. Our scripture is 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through 18. Um, and I passed out uh, the scripture with the American Standard Version. And I chose this version because it suited what I wanted to do tonight. And I, I'll share with you, when I started out studying to teach this, I just got all wrapped around the axle of looking at what does that word mean what does that word mean? And then I went to the different versions, and they all were a little different. And then I just felt like, well, all these people were led to write a version of the Scripture as they were led by the Lord to do. So I thought that would be cool if we did that tonight. So I've got a version here, and you each have a pen, and you have spaces. So I want to take you through the study that I did of this scripture, talk about the different words and the meanings behind them, and I'll give you time as we go through it for you to write 1 John 3, 16 through 18 according to you in your own words. Okay? Have you ever done this before? I haven't, so this may be a bomb. <laughs> All right, so 1 John 3, 16 through 18. Hereby know we love, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. For whoso hath the world's goods, and beholdeth his brother in need, and shutteth up his compassion from him, how doth the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither with the tongue, but in deed and truth. All right, so let's start. If you didn't understand my directions, which people often tell me, I don't understand what you said, I'll repeat it. But I think you'll get the gist of it as we go along. So, hereby know. So when I looked up the Greek word know, it is gnosko. And I'm not a Greek scholar, so forgive me for mispronouncing these words. But in the Greek, you look that up and it says to know to come to know, to recognize, to understand. There was a small-town prosecuting attorney called his first witness to the stand in a trial, a grandmotherly elderly woman. He approached her and asked, Miss Jones, do you know me? And she responded, Why, yes, I know you, Mr. Williams. I've known you since you were a young boy, and frankly, you've been a big disappointment to me. You lie, you cheat on your wife, you manipulate people, talk about them behind their backs, and you cheat on your taxes. Yes, I know you. The lawyer was stunned. Not knowing what else to do, he pointed across the room and asked, Miss Williams, do you know the defense attorney? She again replied, Why, yes, I know him. I know Mr. Bradley since he was a youngster. I used to babysit him for his parents, and he too has been a real disappointment to me. He poisoned the neighbor's dog, got three girls pregnant in high school, and has a serious drinking problem. Yes, I know him. Bam, 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 bam. The judge rapped on the, uh, his gavel down onto his desk, called for silence, and asked the counselors to come to the bench. And in a very quiet voice, he said, if either one of you ask her if she knows me, you're both going to jail for contempt. <laughs> Uh, he knew. Yeah. So, Kenosko, to know, to come to know, to recognize, to understand. There's some examples of that use of that word in John 8:32, And you will come to know the truth, and the truth will set you free. John 6, 69. And we have come to believe and to know that you are are the Holy One of God. And Luke 8, 46, and this is when Jesus was going through a crowd and a woman reached through the crowd and touched him. He, but Jesus said, Someone touch me, for I was aware, that word, no, I was aware of power going out from me. So, 
the second one is, for we have come to believe no, in the, the, scripture verse. the scripture verse, John 6, 69. Mm-hmm. So, here's how, what I'd like you to do with your blank space. So, I'll, I'll help you with the first one. So, it says, hereby know, hereby know and recognize and understand or come to know. So a good example, I should have given you an example, like an example of what we're trying to do is be like, God so loved the world. It'd be like, God, the holy God, the only God in the whole world, the God who created man, so loved the world, the whole world, the man, the woman, and the child, everybody that's ever lived, everybody that is living, and everybody that is, will live. So that's kind of the gist of it. So don't panic if uh, this is not coming together for you, but yeah, I think it will as we go along. So hereby, no. You're kind of come to an understanding that we love. So that word love is agape love. And there's a number of different words for love in the Bible, which we talked about several times in this, this uh, lesson. Uh, the first one is uh, storge or affection. That's love toward uh, or fondness toward a, a brotherly love, especially between family members. There's phileo love. That's like a love as a friendship. There's eros love, like sexual love between a man and a woman. And then agape love. And that's the love that brings forth caring regardless of the circumstances. This is the greatest love. It's unconditional love. It is a love that puts all others ahead of yourself regardless of the sacrifice it may require. So, hereby know, recognize, perceive, understand, we love. A love that's unconditional, that puts all others ahead of ourselves regardless of the cost or the sacrifice that it may require. Hereby know we love because he laid down his life for us that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We ought. So ought. You look up the word ought and it means to owe, to be indebted, to incur a bond, to be bound or obliged. In Luke 7, 41, it talks about there were two debtors to a certain money lender, and the one owed so many denarii, and the other one owed 50 denarii. That, that word owed is the same word that's used for ought. So it's just like if you incur a debt, if you borrow money, it's not, well, I wonder if I should pay this back or not. I think I'll pay this back when I feel like it. No. If you borrow money, if you go down to borrow money, buy a car, you sign a note, and there's all kinds of legal jargon that says you are going to pay what you owe. It's not an option. So, did you hear the story about Jerry Jones' first job? (laughs) So Jerry Jones' first job was as a debt collector that he went in to apply for a job as a debt collector, and he had no experience. He was very intense, so the manager gave him a tough account with the promise that if he collected, he got the job. Two hours later, Jerry returned with the full amount. Amazing, said the manager. How on earth did you manage that? Easy, replied Jerry. I told him that if he didn't pay up, I'd tell all his other creditors that he had paid us. So, debt, obligation, you have to pay it. You're obligated to do it. So when I first read this scripture, sometimes when I asked, I don't know that I fully grasped that this love that we're supposed to also demonstrate as Christ did, it's not an option. We're required to do it. 
So hereby know, recognize, perceive, understand that this love that's unconditional, that whereby we put others ahead of us regardless of the cost or sacrifice that it may require, because he laid down his life for us, we ought to, in fact, we are obligated to, just as a debtor is obligated to pay his debts, we are obligated to lay down our lives for the brethren. For the brethren. I didn't look up that word, but I was thinking about the different definitions for love, agape love being godly love, unconditional love. You know, it's easy for us, or it's easier for us to make sacrifices for those other types of love, a phileo love, like a friendship. It's not really a stretch when a friend says, can you help me? Or you see a friend in need, and so you reach out and help him. And it's the eros love, the love of sexual relations. You think about uh, your wife and how easy it is for you to make sacrifices for your wife. Um, And how in like kind, in the right kind of relationship, it's the same for her. You can't outgive each other. And... Because if you don't, there's no arrows for you. That's right. (laughs) To fail to do that would be no arrows. That's right. So, and I think when you, in studying this, this God love really speaks to me that, you know, we're required to give, and we'll talk about what that means in a minute. We're required to give not just to our friends, not just to... um, our family, or our wives, but we're required to give out of a godly love. Make sense? But whosoever has the world's goods, so goods, the Greek word for goods is bios, B-I-O-S. Oh, I think I didn't do any scripture for... for uh, the debtor, did I? Oh, I did. I referenced the, the debtors. So the bios, whosoever has the world's goods, bios, what's required to live and sustain one's life? Anybody have a, want to read Mark twelve forty four? I don't have, I got it cut off here. Mark twelve forty four talking about Lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever, whosoever has worldly goods. Anybody have Mark 12, 44? Okay. For all they did cast in of their abundance, but she of her want did cast in all that she had, even all her living. Okay, so that word bios, her living, it was what she was, um, what was sustaining her. So you would think it would probably be, be money. I mean that when it comes to to giving uh, and knowing when to give, I don't know if y'all struggle with that or not. Someone told me they watched a football game one time and they just were taken back at all the commercials. So they just said, you know, what what if I were to buy every single thing that they advertise? So we end up buying, I don't know how many cars and how many, all of the stuff that was on there, and it added up to over 200 and something thousand dollars. And uh, his point that he was trying to make is, you know, we have so many opportunities to buy stuff you have to selectively decide, you know, what am I going to buy, what am I not going to buy? And we have so many opportunities to give. I mean, I just did a word search on charitable organizations, and it's just page after page after page after page. And if you stay up late enough at night and watch TV, you'll see all kinds of opportunities to give to abused dogs 
cats and homeless people. I mean, I can't change the channel quick enough when those come on. Not that I'm going to give to all of them, but they just have a way of manipulating you to where you just are so broken hearted. And if you don't make that call, you just feel worthless. And uh, we do, yeah. We absolutely do. I mean, um, yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I travel a lot of my job, and most of my travel, I'm in cities. And I've come to know which cities have the most homeless people. And, uh, I mean, there is, it's, there are reasons why. I lived in Nashville for a while, and the churches in Nashville had an organization where they would go down to the homeless shelter, and each of them had a night. And they would go down there and they'd bus all the homeless people back to their church, their um, gymnasium or whatever they had, and they would feed them, and then they would provide a place for them to sleep at night, which was I thought was pretty cool. I don't know of any other city that does that. I'm, I'm sure there are some. But, you know, if you, if you travel to these cities and you just constantly, if you're on the streets, people are walking up to you asking for help. I don't know if y'all struggle. I used to struggle with it all the time, but now I just came up with a hard, fast rule. I won't give money to anybody unless God says give them some money. But I'll ask them, well, what do you want it for? And most of the time they'll say, well, I'm hungry. And I'll say, well, I'll go buy you something. We can go right over here. And half the time they won't won't do that. But uh, I was really blessed by this guy in Fort Worth about two months ago when we were having our customer conference and it was between sessions so I was just walking outside enjoying the weather and uh, to be honest with you I usually try to avoid people like that I just like there's so many of them and I just unless the Lord says that's the person you need to talk to so y'all probably none of y'all do that y'all probably seek them out but um I was looking at my phone, and the next thing I know, I look up, and here's this guy. This black guy, probably 50s. He looked like he was in good health, but um, he had a drag in a suitcase, so he thought, okay, that's all he's got. And uh, he said, uh, do you have any, can you spare me some money? And I said, no, I can't, uh, can't give you any money. You know, are you hungry? I'll buy you something. He said, no, I'm not hungry right now, but... You know, I probably will be later. And I said, well, I'll buy you some groceries or something. And this is downtown Fort Worth, and I'm thinking, I'm off free here. There's no grocery store in downtown Fort Worth. And he said, well, there's a convenience store three blocks down here. And I kept thinking, well, he's just thinking I'm going to give him the money. And I said, okay, well, I've got time. Let's go. So we walk three blocks and turn. Sure enough, there's a convenience store in downtown Fort Worth, and we go in there, and uh, so he told me his story on the way there, that he had moved here from somewhere in Michigan or somewhere to, he's out of a job, he came down here to live with his sister and get a job, and it didn't work out with his sister, so he was on the street, and he's looking for a job, and so he just wanted some canned goods. So he went to the back of that convenience store, and he came back with three cans, and I said, I didn't walk three blocks to buy you three cans. You can get, you can get more than that. And so he got uh, Vienna sausage and some tuna fish and some water, and he had a whole bag of stuff. And uh, I, I just, he was sincere. That's what he wanted. He just needed help, like we all need help at times. But I think trying to know when to give and who to give to, it's, it's something that you have to really seek the Holy Spirit's guidance. And if we went around the room, y'all probably could all say, yeah, one time I felt led to do this or do that. And sometimes you'll find out later, wow, I was right on because I heard they needed that and I didn't know that. And sometimes you never hear it. I mean, But in my mind, you just planted the seed that God told you to plant and and just go on. You know, there was a, kind of a good story out of that, and right there, you know, last week, that giving 
But God's love is not to question that giving. It's up to God in that person. But You're was, judging your you own feel, heart, or are you judging that person's heart for that need to help and to give? You know, I mean, I come from hardened areas too, where it was always food or, or clothing, because money has just got ridiculous. When I find out the guy's got an open running account at a store that I shop at, it's like, right. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, no more money for you. But you know, where's the conviction? In your heart, judging that person or judging yourself. And it says it up to you to judge yourself. If, if you're walking in, in God's love, you have to let that invade your entire life. You can't be choosy. It's all or nothing. Because you've got them, you're holding on to the wrong attitude. And I'm not saying this is an easy thing to do. It's not. Right. But you never know when you're entertaining an angel. Well, I mean, I don't dispute what you're saying. I guess maybe just uh, in response to that, just and I'll speak just for myself, there's just so many opportunities to give that if I gave to every need that came across my path, I honestly feel like that if I wasn't seeking the Lord when I gave it, that I wouldn't have anything to give to the person that the Lord put in front of me. A good example of me giving, not out of God's direction, but just out, oh, that's cool, I think I'll do that. I was in California uh, with my CFO, and we were staying in a hotel, and we got in late, and it's like, well, let's just walk across the street to this payway, I think it was. No, it wasn't even, it wasn't even payway. It was a... Uh, but you, you went in, you got your little tray, and you went by, and you got your food. So I'm I'm uh, behind this guy, and he gets up there, and he didn't have enough money. And uh, it's like, oh, it's fine, I'll pay for it. And uh, so the lady behind me says, would you buy mine? I don't have any. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. So then I go and sit down, and it's like a flashing light above our table. He will buy your dinner. And everybody, everybody came here, would you buy my, just like my, our CFS like, we got to get out. How do you get into the middle of this stuff? I'm like, I, so, probably spent too much time on that, but. Well, I, I have one. Okay, yeah. Um, I helped a lady once and was not led by the Lord to help her, and it made her life worse. Yeah. Her car needed to be repaired. I got her car repaired. Because her car was repaired, she wound up in jail. <laughs>
to receive yeah. something that you had no idea. Is that coming it backwards? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I, was, I was the most shocked I've been in quite yeah. a while. Yeah, one of the things I wrote down here is, you know, what the Lord's kind of leading me through this, this word of compassion that's here is, mm-hmm. you know, that that in itself is a is a is an act of the Holy Spirit that comes on us when He is calling to something. So that's throughout the gospel where Jesus looks at people and all so moved with compassion flows out of him and almost right. stop it. And what I'm saying is the okay, so this guy shuts off <laughs> the compassion and uh but in so doing would be grieving the spirit that uh but it seems to back up what you're saying as well that that uh you know we we'd be spread out so thin if we try to and it'd be a work of the flesh. Yeah. If we keep on doing stuff without his mm-hmm. it wouldn't end up being anything really everlasting so yeah. Yeah, what you were saying, if you gave to every opportunity you had, you'd end up being one of the people on the street. <laughs> yeah, and quite it would be an act of disobedience because you wouldn't be following what the Holy Spirit yeah. Well, I mean, we really need to, and I pray, and I'm sure you guys pray for our leadership here at church, but I think, um, Bill, you touched on it. I mean, there are people that come to our church often or in need. And I didn't know this, but there's actually a a way by which churches can communicate and identify people that just go from church to church to church to church. So uh, praying that our leadership has the discernment to uh, be good stewards over the things that we, when we give our tithes and offerings. That's, in a way, we're meeting the needs of people, but we're doing it through the oversight of the leadership of the church. I'll say this on that note. Um, <clears throat> It takes a lot for me to humble myself to come to church and ask for something, especially food. You know, being the man in the household, is, it is the man's responsibility to make sure your, your children and your wife is fed. And uh, along with my cousin, and my cousin's notorious on this, and we went to two churches for food. And once we were at the second church, I told my cousin, that's enough. I, I don't need no more. Says, no, 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 because we got like three more churches to go to. I said, look, I'm done. Said, because it's not, I'm all going to go to God. And him asked me, say, hey, remember you on there, you know what I'm saying, steal my pants, right. rob my food, take advantage of me. Woo! And, <laughs> and I told my cousin this. My cousin's out there bad in drugs. She's bad. And I told her, I said, look, I said, I'm not going to answer to God when he asks me if I'm robbing from his house, taking out of the mouths of other, other families and kids. Or taking from him or something from him. So I'm sorry, I can't do that. But I'll take what my family needs. And that's it. Said, I got plenty to, to finish up the month until I get paid next. And she looked at me. And it, it is literally the hardest thing to do to get this woman's attention. To even crack into her. Or her, her, her mentality. Because she doesn't see the harm in what she does. There is no justifiable limit for her. And she looked at me and she was like, oh, crap, uh, I didn't look at it like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, you got to keep in mind, you know, if you got a, you know, two churches pretty much filled up half of your bed for your family, and I understand you got four kids, you know, and I got a little over a quarter tank of the bed, of the bed of a truck. All this is the temporary holdover until the next payday. This is not to stockpile your home and... Yeah. And toward everything. Right. And she looked at me, and I was like, I don't do this because I don't like doing this. It's a pride issue with me. When I do do it, I get what I need, and that's it. I'm not going to answer to God for taking from his home, this house. And she actually Good. stopped that day, and she went home. She didn't talk to me for a few days after that. But <laughs> <laughs> so I just... <clears throat> That's I, good. And I, and I told her, too. I told her, I was like, I bet you anything these churches flag people. And they let let, let the other ones know. And she's like, nah, I don't do that. I don't do that. I said, okay. They're not done either. But I'm glad you brought that up. That's good. Thanks for sharing that. Okay. I'm not sure how I got us off into that, but that was great. (laughs) Okay. Uh, 
Hereby know, recognize, receive, understand, we love, that it's a love that's unconditional, that it puts all others ahead of ourselves, regardless of the cost or sacrifice it may require, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to. In fact, we are obligated to, just as a debtor is obligated to pay his debt, to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whosoever has the world's goods, those things that are required to live and sustains one's life, and beholdeth. That word for behold is therios, to see, to perceive, to come to a knowledge of. So some examples of that are in Mark chapter 5, verse 38. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and Jesus saw a commotion with people weeping and wailing loudly. So so he saw, he perceived, he actually understood there was an issue going on. Mark 12:41 says in taking a seat opposite the treasure, he he Jesus was watching. He was perceiving. He was looking at what was going on at how the people were putting money into the offering box. Many people were putting in large sums, and then it goes on to talk about the woman who just put in a mite. She put in all she had. Those are two scriptures that talk about the Greek word theorio, to see, to look at, to watch closely, to perceive, and to experience. So, and beholdeth. To see, to perceive, to come to a knowledge or an understanding. I think that really kind of speaks to me that it's more than just you observe something, but to perceive it, to have an understanding and a knowledge of what that need is, that's where the Holy Spirit gives you guidance on what you need to do. And you, you don't, we can all be moved by a situation, but. It's one thing to be moved, and it's another thing to be led by the Spirit to get involved in certain things. Does that make sense? It's good. And beholdeth, to perceive, to come to a knowledge of his brother in need, and shutteth up his compassion from him. So shutteth, that Greek word for shutteth is apo, A-P-O. And that means to distance yourself from, to avoid, to riddance, to, um, it's a, to, to, yeah, from a quarter or source of material. So, to behold it, to see, perceive, to come to a knowledge of, to have an understanding of, his brother in need, and shutteth up his compassion, in other words, shutteth, to distance ourselves from it, to avoid it at all costs. How does the love of God abide in him? So how does the love of God abide in him who perceives, has an understanding, knows that a need needs to be met, but instead of meeting it, he distances himself from it. He runs away from it. He ignores it. He avoids it. How does the love of God abide in him? So that word abide is the Greek word minoto, M-E-N-O-T-O. And I'll give you what I'm reading from here at the end. So minoto means to stay, to remain, to live, to dwell, to abide to be in a state that begins and continues, yet may or may not end or stop. To stay, remain, to live, to abide, to be in a state that begins and continues. How can a man that distances himself, avoids at all costs, how does the love of God live in him, remain in him, abide in him, continue in him if he does that. My little children, let us not love in word, neither with the tongue, but in deed. The word for deed is 
ergon, E-R-G-O-N. Anything that's done or to be done, a deed, a work, or an action. I didn't read the scripture on the on oppo to distance yourself. A good example of that is Matthew chapter 7, verse 23. And then will I declare to you, I never knew you. Go away from me, you who practice lawlessness. Jesus is saying, distance, I won't distance from you. I'm avoiding you. I'm going away from you. Uh if you do the things that warrant. I, I don't have the, I should have Matthew 7. You have Matthew, someone look that up and we'll come back to it in a second. Matthew 7, maybe 21 and 22 that lead up to 23. That memento, meaning to stay, remain, to live, dwell, abide, to be in a state that begins and continues, yet may or may not end or stop. Some great examples in John of that. John 15 Verse 4 says, abide, that's the word, in me, and I will abide in you, just as a branch is not able to bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. So it's a great scripture that uses that word to stay, remain, to dwell, to be a part of. Uh, Christ used that over and over and over again. And then John 8 Uh, 31, Jesus therefore said to the Jews who had put their trust in him, if you continue, which is the word abide that we're talking about, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. Did you get Matthew 7, 23, talking about distancing ourselves? Mm -hmm. Depart from me, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And so the scriptures before that. Before that? Yeah. Not everyone... Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, that he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Okay, good. Thank you. My little children, let us not love in word, neither with tongue, but in deed. In anything that we do, in our work, and in our actions, and trust. And that word for trust is aletheia, to practice in accordance with God's truth. And some scriptures on that. definition would be truth, truthfulness, corresponding to reality, love of truth, sincerity, divine truth, revealed to man, practice and according with the gospel truth. John 5.33 says, you have sent messengers to John and he has borne witness to the truth. And John 8.32 says, and you will come to know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free, right? So that's the study I got from I've got something else I want to touch on in a second. But, you know, if I read out in one continuous reading what I got from it, it was hereby know and recognize, perceive, and understand we love, a love that is unconditional, that puts all others ahead of ourselves, regardless of the cost or the sacrifice, that it may require. There's some little passages here. This is what I'm reading from. May not. Three nights. Yeah. Let me let you get that and I'll pass that, or pass that around and I think I've got some more. Well, I had several days to do it. So. Okay, let me start over. So, 
And if anybody wants to share what they wrote, that'd be great. So, First John three sixteen eighteen, according to Jeff. Hereby know, recognize, perceive, and understand we love with a love that is unconditional. All others ahead of ourselves, regardless of the cost or sacrifice that it may require, because he laid down his life for us, and we ought to, in fact, we are obligated to, just as the debtor is obligated to pay his debts, to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso has the world's goods, those things that are required to sustain our life, and beholdeth, actually sees and perceives and comes to a knowledge of it, his brother being in need, and shutteth or distance himself or avoids his compassion from him, how does the love of God abide and live and dwell and continue in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither with tongue, but in deed. In anything that we do or that we plan will be done with our work and with our actions and in truth, practicing in accordance with the gospel truth. Amen. You know, when I was reading this, does anybody, maybe we don't have to do the rest of it, so much time we got. Anybody else have anything written down that they'd like to share what spoke to you differently? What you're doing is is how the Amplified Bible would read. It would expound on the definitions of certain key words in Scripture. Mm -hmm. And I didn't expound on that. I only got (coughs) one done. But the first one, I I wrote my own version of that 1 John 3.16. And this is just in my word. It says, this is how we know he loves us because he willingly laid down his life for us, so we should do likewise for our brother. That's great. There's a really good um, source to study from. I know there's all kinds of them, but just for what it's worth, what I use a lot when I'm doing, when I'm studying the Bible is there's a, you can go online and uh, you can just type in Bible, online and it comes up with Bible Gateway and you can put in the scriptures and the chapter and the verse and there's all these different versions but there's one of them that is a Matthew's interlinear so it has the scripture and underneath it it has the Greek words underneath the words and you click on it and it takes you right over and it says here's the definition of that word in Greek and you click on that and it gives you here's all the scriptures in which that word was used so like a yeah only you don't have to flip back through because I was trying to use a concordance uh, last week preparing for the lesson like man I'll, I'll never get this done doing this so that was cool that I got that thank you for sharing that Scott anybody else write down anything Amen. Did you have some? Yeah, I, I wrote down uh, by this word cognizant of what love is because use the action of love, of having laid down his life for us, and we should fulfill our love with the action of laying down life for each other. And if one, one lacks nothing, uh, in in the good worldly goods, and we see the brotherhood in the need, and the Holy Spirit moves us to compassion, do something, but He hardens His heart against doing something. Then how can He say that the love of God is in Him? That's right. That kind of ties in with what what Vince posted, talking about uh, <coughs> obeying the voice of God in you and what He what He tells you to do, because. Our love is our love is uh, manifested by our acts of obedience to the Holy Spirit in us, and then the other that's how other people see the love of God in us by the things yeah, we do. Right. And I think that's more of a witness than walking up to somebody and and you know trying to condemn them or giving them the Roman road to salvation or yeah. whatever that is. Yeah. Mm. I, I think loving. 
Yeah. Alan, you were saying? I, I think loving can, can involve words, but it's going to go beyond the level of words. We don't just dole out stuff, but we express love with our actions and with our words. And so when he says, my little children, let us not love in word, neither with a tongue, but indeed in the truth, you can put, put your put your walk in where you're talking is, put yeah, your right. money where yeah. your mouth is. Yeah. And uh, when he says indeed and in truth, I, I kind of see it in two ways. The deed is what you're doing to help somebody. The truth sometimes is what you have to say that you may not want to say. That they don't want to hear. Like somebody's running from the law, you got to tell them, man, you need to turn yourself in. Mm -hmm. It isn't going to get any better. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you speak the truth in love, you know. You know, uh, use it like a club.